Let's pray together. Lord our God, as we come to look at this subject of prayer and this passage of scripture, we come with the same spirit as the disciples, asking that you would teach us to pray. Come then, Holy Spirit, and make these words live to us this evening. Touch and transform our hearts. Fill us with love for you and a desire to be found often in your company. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you may have been here a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning when Diane Padden spoke about the youth work that she was involved in and shared a little about the drop-in club at Downend School, where she goes at a lunchtime, and how she speaks there to some teenagers, boys and girls, I think mainly girls come, and she was talking to them about the subject of prayer. And they said to her, we don't pray, we don't believe in that. And so Diane said to them, well, if you were in a plane and the plane had engine trouble and you thought it was going to crash, would you pray? And they all said, oh yes, oh yes, we'd pray. And one of the girls who had been scornful at first about prayer came to Diane afterwards and shared with Diane some of the problems she was having at home. And Diane said to her, I will pray for you. And the girl responded not just by thanking Diane, but saying, I also will pray. This girl had begun to see her need of prayer and her need to pray. And it doesn't just happen to those who have no connection with church. I have a vivid memory of uh, something that happened in 2008. I was part of a team, a Bible Society team, that went out to Tanzania to see one of the Bible Society projects there. And there were people from a number of churches and backgrounds. And every morning while we were there, someone read a passage of scripture, gave a brief thought on it, and led into a time of open prayer, like we do on a Wednesday morning at seven o'clock over the way in the youth hub. Please join us if you dare. <laughs> and uh, one of the, on one morning when I had led in uh, this uh, time of prayer, a lady came to me afterwards, an older lady, who was part of the group that were there. And she was in tears. She had been a churchgoer all her life. And she had been in the habit of saying prayers, as you have done this evening, reading from the order of service, the lectionary, the liturgy. And, uh, but she said, this is the first time I have ever prayed like that, where she had simply prayed in her own words. 
She said, I never knew you could pray like that. She had discovered what it was to pray and how wonderful it was to her and how moving and moving to me as I listened to her. These people had discovered that they needed to pray and their stories are there for a powerful introduction to what I want us to look at this evening. The subject that has been given me, why pray? Why pray? Why should we pray? In Genesis chapter 1, when we read of the way in which God created the whole of the universe around us, the beauty of the world in which we live, with its vegetation and its varied animals, don't know whether you've enjoyed watching recently David Attenborough's latest uh, Seven Continents and their peculiar animals and so on. God's made a wonderful world. But when God had created all the rest of the world, he said, let us make mankind, human beings, in our own image and likeness so that they can rule over this world that I have made. We were created in God's image to be like him. We were created in God's image to be able to work as he works, to rule over God's world, to care for it. Does that mean that God had turned his back on it and didn't want anything to do with it? Not at all. God was still deeply concerned with his world, still governing it. So when he said to the man and the woman, rule over it, govern it, bring it to fruition, he meant them to do so in close communion with him because he was the only one who knew how that could be done. They would have to spend time with him, speaking to him, listening to him, as you might have done at work when you have a project and you get together and you talk about how it's going to be done. And we get a little glimpse of how that could have been in Genesis chapter 3, when God comes and in the homely language of that chapter, he walks in the garden in the cool of the day. And he comes looking for Adam and Eve, the man and the woman, looking that he might talk with them and walk with them and that they might have fellowship with him. And yet that relationship was broken because they had determined that they wanted to go their own way in rebellion against God and be gods to themselves, to be masters of their own fate, to throw off, as it were, the one who created them and say, we can look after ourselves. And God respects that decision. Indeed, they are thrown out of the garden. They can no longer enjoy that relationship with God. 
But despite that human tendency to want to do things for ourselves and to be masters of our own fate, we soon find that we can't go it alone. We need help. We need help of other people. And when there comes a crisis, it it shows us so clearly that we need not only the help of other people, but we need help that no human can provide. We need the help of God. Whether that crisis is being in a plane at 30,000 feet and the engines begin to cough, or whether it's serious illness that we face, or the illness of a member of our family, or the loss of one whom we love. And through these crises, we know and feel that we cannot manage on our own. And we face that fear of loneliness, of a world that doesn't care about us. And we long to know that we are loved and embraced by one who cares for us and who can help us and come to our aid. We long for a restoration of that relationship with God that will enable us to thrive and be the people he created us to be. Let me take you then to this passage of scripture that Mike read for us. It begins with Jesus at prayer. I don't think Jesus had taken himself off away from his disciples and was praying quietly. I think he was probably there very close to them and was praying out loud. And I think that because there was something about his prayer something about the way he prayed that affected them deeply. And one of them, speaking for all, no doubt, said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. John had taught his disciples to pray. I don't know what he taught them, we're not told. And some of John's disciples were now Jesus' disciples. I don't think they'd forgotten entirely what John had taught them. But when they heard and saw Jesus at prayer, there was something about the way he prayed, something about the depth of the relationship which he had with his heavenly Father that made them long to have that same relationship themselves, made them long to be able to pray as he prayed, When they said, Lord, teach us to pray, they were saying, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray. Teach us to have that relationship with the Father which you have, to enjoy time with him. We need to bear this in mind when we read Jesus' response. Jesus' response is to teach them what we call the Lord's Prayer. But he is not teaching them simply a set of words for them to repeat mechanically. Far from it. He begins, Father, or Father in heaven. 
He wants them to enter into this same relationship with their Heavenly Father, to recognise that he is their Father also, and to enjoy that relationship, a fellowship with him. We need to pray because we need to live in relationship with God moment by moment, day by day. We need to have communion with God, the creator of the universe and the one who has created us. We need to know that we are loved by him and we need to love him in return. And like the disciples, we need to recognise that Jesus alone can bring us into this relationship with God. This relationship which has been broken through our rebellion. Jesus alone can lead us back into that relationship with God. That's why he came into the world. Not just to teach in his words, but at last to go to the cross for us, as we will be remembering later this evening as we break bread and drink wine. He bore the judgment for our rebellion and felt its weight as he died there upon the cross. As he was nailed to the cross, he cried, Father, forgive them. And forgiveness streams to us from him and from his death. He rose victorious from the dead and has ascended into heaven that he might intercede for us there and be our mediator with the Father so that we can come into the presence of the living God through the Lord Jesus as indeed he is in the presence of the living God. And know that we will not be turned away but that we are accepted in the beloved. He is the one who enables us to pray. And he is the one who teaches us to pray. He is the one who promises blessing to us as we pray, as we've read in that passage. We'll be spending a number of weeks looking together at the subject of prayer, following this helpful book by Peter Greig, How to Pray, as Joe has already mentioned. And to use an illustration from Pete Grieg, but to put it in my own words, if I told you that my wife and I, who have now been married 47 years it will be this year, if I told you that we have a deep and supportive mutual relationship with each other, but that we rarely talk to each other, or listen to what one another has to say, and really we don't like spending much time with each other, you begin to think there was something deeply wrong with our relationship. Before you get worried, it's not like that. But you would think it were, uh, there was something deeply wrong if I told you that. And if I then tagged on the end, oh, but you must realise, I do talk to my wife if I want her to do something for me. <laughs> I don't think you'd find that any better, would you, really? And our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father who loves us 
and who has taught us to love him must be expressed in a life of prayer, speaking with him, listening with him, spending time in his presence. And yes, we do come and ask him for things, but that's not all there is to prayer. Not at all, as we'll see as we go through these studies. Prayer is a response to an expression of the love that we have for our Heavenly Father and the love that exists, that he has for us. It's an expression of our life. If someone were to ask us, why should we pray? The question is a bit like asking you, why should you breathe? It's an expression of our life and it sustains our life. Stop it and life stops. The vitality of our Christian life stops when we cease to pray. I remember perhaps some of you have seen it. It was rather corny, so excuse me. One of those wayside pulpits, those notices on notice boards that said, seven prayerless days make one week. We need to pray. It's part of our life. It's an expression of our life. In conclusion then, prayer is important. It's more than important, it's vital. So we need to make time for prayer. Time for personal prayer. Spending time with God, listening to him and talking to him. Time for prayer with one another, whether it's in the family or in small groups, prayer triplets or in home groups or prayer together as a church. We need to give time to prayer in all its various forms. We need to make time for daily prayer, whether it's a quiet time in the morning or prayer of examine in the evening, reviewing our day and bringing it back to God in prayer. And if you want to know more about those things, take a look at some of those sheets in the toolbox, which is there on by, beside that rack just round the corner there. Take a look at those resources. See if there's something that could be useful to you. We need to learn to pray on all occasions and with all kinds of prayer. Let me leave you with this one last thought from this passage of scripture. Don't forget that your prayer can also be a powerful witness to others. Just as Jesus' prayer was a witness to his disciples, which gave them a longing to pray like that and to know God like Jesus did and does. Perhaps someone will share with you problems they're going through and you will say to them, I'll pray for you. But how about also saying, can I pray for you right now? And then praying out loud with them 
so that they are drawn into that act of prayer. Maybe they will feel, I want to pray like that. I want to learn to pray to God like that. Or maybe you invite people over for a meal. How about saying to them at the beginning of the meal, we always give thanks to God for our food before we eat. Do you mind if we do that now? And then leading, leading all of them in a time of thanksgiving, not just for the food, but for one another and for the blessings God has given us. Don't pray for half an hour before the food. But <laughs> just, just pray naturally to, to heaven, your heavenly Father. And who knows, there may be some there who've never prayed and yet who may long to be able to pray to God like that because they long for a relationship with God like the one that has been expressed through your prayer. Prayer can be a powerful form of witness. Jesus said it's good to find a private place to pray away from other people's eyes. But it's also, and that's good, But it's also good to pray in front of others who are not used to prayer, that they may hear us and want to pray like that too. Don't be afraid of doing that. But above all, as we go through these studies, our longing and our cry to the Lord must be this, the words of the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. May the Lord do that for his name's sake.